Sunny 16 presents. Welcome to episode 26 of I Dream of Cameras, the podcast about cameras and camera collecting brought to you by the gang at the Sunny 16 podcast. My name is Jeff Greenstein. And my name is Gabe Sachs. Welcome, welcome. Episode 26. What does episode 26 mean to a television producer, Gabe? (laughs) There's a few things. It means you're either getting the back order or you're being canceled. (laughs) Right. It is typically the last episode of a big season. Huge. A big season. So when you hit 26, you are running for curtain and trying to go home for the spring. Just take a month off. Yeah. Or you are playing out your string. You're depressed, you're sad, you're never coming back, Mm -hmm. and you're doing things in the series you swore you would never do. (laughs) Getting characters married, having characters sleep together. That's what we're going to be doing today. Characters are going to sleep together. And it's a big order, that 26. It's like one of those things. You just go, someone says at the beginning, they go, we're ordering 26, big deal. You know what they don't do now? Order 26. No, they don't. It's like six, eight, or 10. I can't remember the last time. Yeah. Yeah. When was, yeah, what was the last like broadcast network series that had a 26 episode season? Crazy. Never happens, but we do. Yes, we are here. All right. All right, good. (laughs) What an episode we have for you guys. Listen, I don't know what we did last episode, but we got more emails, more messages, more DMs. So great. I I mean, is it that we're courting controversy all the time? (laughs) Is it that we're provocateurs? Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, all we talked about was self-timers. I, I don't even... Anyway, we have a lot to go through. We're going to speed through the mailbag, but it is a bumper crop. Oh, my goodness. I don't know that I've ever used that phrase in my life. Starting with... <laughs> David Wells. David Wells said, Hello, Gabe and Jeff. I just had a camera experience that I know you both will enjoy. I was meeting a university student outside of a local Starbucks to sell him a little typewriter that I had. No. What? Gabe, it was a royal labeled Silver Seiko. Beautiful. Good typewriter. Beautiful. Yeah. We got to chatting and he told me he was studying media arts. What medium, I ask? Film photography. He answers, hence the email. Um, (laughs) He he went on to say that he is selling his digital gear in order to get a Pentax 6x7. That's fantastic. I'm kind of getting into medium format, he goes on to say. He asked me about my cameras, and wouldn't you know, this was the one day I didn't have them in my car. Oh. If I did have them, I would have shown him the two Olympus, Olympoi, that I have been shooting lately. (laughs) I blame one of these cameras on both of you. Love that. I was content with my silver-bodied OM2, but heard your voices in my head saying, the black-bodied OM2 looks fantastic. You should buy it, so I did. (sighs) Oh, boy. By the way. I loved your Olympus segment. I recommend the OM-2N. Same form factor as the OM-1 plus the option of going with aperture priority. Look for the OM-2N over the OM-2 as they solved a mirror lockup issue that comes about when you change batteries. By the way, the OM-2 takes standard batteries. I'll finish by saying, damn you, Jeff. I was content with my cameras, and now you have me obsessing about an Olympus 35RC. It never ends, but that's the pleasure. (laughs) A lot of people went hunting for RCs after our Olympus is fallen episode a lot of them fortunately there are a lot out there i am not going to start a controversy over this i have never used mirror lockup have you ever used mirror lockup 
This is shocking. <laughs> I have. What? What? <laughs> I When did you have. use mirror lockup? I'm I'm pretty sure I did it on the RZ67 if I have it wrong and the Pentax 67. Um just a couple of times, but this is not a regular thing, but I'm just excited that I used a mirror lockup. And well, I'm, uh I'm stunned. I know it's shocking. It was fun. How, there are so few cameras I own that even have that facility. Yeah. Why was it occasioned? Were you on a tripod and you want a slow shutter speed? You want to be extra steady? Was yeah, it was extra steady. It was it was that kind of thing. Wow. Um, Golly. And I just remember that was it. And I, I probably did it for maybe on two cameras in my life. So two more than I'm you. Amazed. Yeah. All right. Well, then maybe we do need to put it to the teeming millions. Yes. Uh, Who uses have it? Have you ever used mirror lockup? Yeah. Okay. Next up, Steve New says, subject line, both eyes open. Remember this one, Gabe? <laughs> this feels like in another era. Dave and Jeff. Uh, I, who's Dave? Let me explain. I don't you. know who Dave is. This is my whole life, just so you know. Parents would introduce me. Oh, people me to, calling you Dave? My parents would introduce me to friends of theirs. Uh, Dr. Stevenberg. This is this is our son, Gabe. They Hi, David. How are you? <laughs> my whole life. My whole life. So I just answer, yes, I'm fine. You know, I called you Nate in like episode two of this show. That's true. So that was we were warming up. We were warming up. Okay. Anyway, Steve, it's Gabe and Jeff. Okay, so <laughs> DHL just delivered my birthday present to myself a Leotax Merite M E R I T E rangefinder with a top core S. 50 millimeter f2 lens at 299 for the pair i couldn't turn it down top core s lenses in good condition generally sell for that price alone my luck held up both camera and lens are as good as new condition i've never heard of any of these things never i think a leotax is a leica clone i think I, okay anyway he says that is not why i am writing <laughs> i went to butkus for a manual okay you guys know butkus.org the clearinghouse for manuals of all sorts. Shoot him some money if you get yeah, manuals definitely. from him. And while there wasn't one for the Merite, I bought one for the F, hoping they would be close enough. Just look at the photograph on page seven to see how Leotax recommends you operate the camera. There is a picture of a photographer keeping both eyes open. Oh. Oh. What do you think? I think that the actual picture they were going to use he had one eye open, and then he had a little note for him to tilt his head a little, and he accidentally snapped the picture when both eyes were open. That's what First I think. First of all, it's a woman. But anyway, <laughs> let's just say Leo Tax is on my team. Next topic. Okay. Thank you for that, Steve. Or should I say, Schmoyle? <laughs> okay. Malcolm Myers said, on the subject of plot holes... Hi, Jeff and Gabe. I used to work at BT Labs, think the equivalent of Bell Labs in the USA, i.e. Nerd Central. Yes. Lots of men with few social skills and really rocking that beard, sandals, and white socks combo. <laughs> we are in the local cinema many years ago. We are nearing the end of the hit film Jurassic Park. The dinosaurs have broken into the lab and are searching for the children. Will the children be found and eaten or will they escape? A velociraptor claws out, climbs onto the lab sink. It is a moment of high drama from a nearby road has heard the following observation. That sink would never take the weight of a fully grown velociraptor. <laughs> oh. That was my peak nerd moment. Can you imagine? Climactic action scene and somebody's thinking about the sink. <laughs> Thank you for that, Malcolm. Love that story. Billy Sanford. 
Where are the cameras is the subject line. Hello, Gabe and Jeff. I thought I would weigh in on the question of where are all the cameras from my perspective in Birmingham, Alabama. Did you know Billy was in Birmingham? I didn't know that. It's a nice city. Yeah. The short answer, he says, is I don't know. When I got back into film, I expected to find all of them around me because if there is one thing we have a lot of around here, it is antique malls. And if there is one thing we don't have around here, it is people who shoot film. Despite that math, I have yet to come across the mother load. If you want a commemorative bottle of Coca-Cola from the mid-1970s emblazoned with Coach Paul Bear Bryant from the University of Alabama, however, I can hook you up. That's fantastic. Take care, Billy. That's, yeah, okay, there's the report from Birmingham. Tom North and Scold, on the same subject. Where have all the film cameras gone? I've noticed the same thing here in the Twin Cities. Isn't this great? Like, yeah. we have correspondence across this great nation. My local camera store is National Camera Exchange. That is a website I often check for the used camera equipment. He says, I watch their website to see what's come in. I often share postings to the Twitter film community when I see an interesting camera at a good price. What a nice guy. All of a sudden, just before Christmas, a huge chunk of their stock was gone. They had several Canon AE-1 bodies in very good or better condition. A week or so later, I checked again. All the AE-1s were gone. For a while, there was a steady stream of very good rated Olympus OM-1N bodies for sale on national websites. Now, zilch. I cannot explain it. It's crazy. Yeah. As far as selling cameras, I've successfully sold several cameras on eBay. I have a Nikon F2S listed on eBay right now. Tom used us to do a commercial for his listing. Did you see what he did there? Love that. Most recently, I sold a Nikon F2S and Olympus OM2S through the Twitter film community. Twitter. I've only had one bad experience selling a camera on eBay, a Nikon D4S. The high dollar figure brought out all the fraudsters. Eventually, I got that camera sold on eBay, but it took three tries, Wow, says Tom. Care Fry. I'm going to hope I pronounced your name right. Hi, Dreamers. Well, I love that. Just listening to episode 25 with Jeff's question about self-timers. I definitely use timers in the same way, either for low shutter speed shots or just when the tripod is at an awkward height. It is just easier than trying to stop my over-caffeinated hands from blurring the shot. As for depth of field preview... Up until your discussion, I was exactly like Gabe in that I pressed it once, it made everything dark, and I asked myself, what was the point of that? <laughs> Since hearing you talk about it, I find myself using it more and more. No. It just remains to be seen if this actually helps improve my photos or has simply added a compulsion to my process. Either way, thank you both for the food for thought. Gabe, are you using depth of field preview more now that we've talked about it? I have it? to tell you, the more that I think about it, the more that I am absolutely sure I never use it ever. <laughs> ever. Not once. <laughs> Even, I, in fact, I did look at my camera with the depth of field preview. I just looked at it. Yeah. I didn't even try it because I went, I'm not doing this. Please. I, I just don't, I don't know what to do I with you. I'm just going to use I don't my know imagination. What to do with you. <laughs> Maybe your brilliant photographs would be would better. Be just a touch more brilliant. You might be All right. right. Hey, Tom Northings Gold chimed in yet again. He said, and I'm going to read this because I want to, I'm going to court controversy again. Gabe, brace yourself. I'm ready. What to do about old mercury batteries. He says, I use the MR9 battery adapter for all my cameras that use the old mercury batteries. You load a 386 silver oxide in them, you're off to the races. I have bought these from Chris Cam, chriscam, chriscam.com, and on eBay from Japanese sellers. 
The more expensive ones, 30 to 40 bucks. Drop the voltage to 1.35. These are the ones I get. He goes on to say, the nice thing is once you buy a set, you can use them in any camera that uses the old Mercury batteries. And he shows a picture of this. And I'm going to tell you, okay, I get it, man. I get you, Tom. But first of all, Gabe, do you know this adapter and have you used it? Never. I have exactly one. Oh, wow. And it is in my Olympus 35RC. Why? Because that's the oldest camera I own. In other words, the camera I have owned the longest right, right. that uses 625 batteries. So as a naif, I went for this MR9. Listen, they work great. They're expensive because they have a diode inside them that drops the voltage. No need, guys. Go for the 675. Tom is right. These are great, but they are 30 bucks a pop. And that's plus the cost of the 386. And they have a name. We want Why? a thingy. Why do you thingy. thingy is the thing you need? Mr. 9, MR9. No, the thingy. We need the thingy. Think thingy. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate it, guys. If you, I know there are going to be people out there among the teeming millions who use this MR9. There's nothing wrong with it. It works great. But the 675 is 25 cents. And if you, even if you make your own thingy, think how much money you're saving. Exactly. Okay, but thanks for chiming in, Tom. We've made a big dent in the mailbag, Gabe. Shall I keep going? Do a couple more. Let's see what we get. Sean Nelson. Subject line. I say bah. <laughs> no humbug, just bah. Here it comes. Okay. Self-timers, bah. De <laughs> Depth of field preview, bah. Closing an eye, bah. Did you pay him, Gabe? To Maybe. <laughs> the next thing he said was, how about a Minolta or Yashica TLR show? Oh, well, that's a good one. Yeah. I think we can combine those. That's a great idea. Yeah. Great idea. I mean, I know very little about them. Gabe will be QBing that episode, but like, that's a great idea. Yep. He also says, my day gig used to have me deploying and supporting computer systems for a small, unnamed West Coast chain of thrift stores. About six or seven years ago, I would see tons of cameras donated and sold. Like Gabe mentioned, people have turned to selling locally on Facebook Marketplace. No seller fees, typically cash or Venmo transactions. However, even local prices are out of hand. Just today, I saw a seller here in Utah Camera Sales Group. Okay, he's chiming in from Utah. On Facebook with a Canon A1 4. Take a guess, Gabe. A1. An A1. A1. 125. 300. No. No way. No way. 300. That's that was crazy. a camera you used to be able to get at the camera show for 20 bucks. Yeah. That's insane. That's really crazy. And then he tells us he loves us because he's a good person. We like him. Nick Lyle. Okay, now Nick is always the guy who sends us these incredible emails and then tells us not to read them, okay? <laughs> right. But I'm going to read this one because it's another masterpiece. Yeah. I love how this guy writes. He says, Exacta lenses are delectable. Exacta cameras, pain in the ass. Fortunately, there is a beautifully machined Minolta to Exacta adapter that can be found that lets you use Exacta lenses on newer and more dependable Minolta cameras. Had no idea. Thanks wow, for the tip. Wow, that's great. Like Gabe, I have trouble selling excess cameras online. I had great success selling cameras at in-person camera sales. 
Take your camera to a local sale, sit at a table, sell them to real people in person. It's much easier, more satisfying. And in one afternoon, you are out of your misery job done. Seattle area sales did have a KEH buyer on hand to take the stuff left over after the sale. It sounds to me like Japanese camera shops, this is what you said last time, Gabe, are buying up secondhand cameras to CLA them and sell them at a profit. Japan still has a number of small shops with the time and skill needed to fix up old cameras and lenses. The USA has vanishingly few such shops. Blame Japan. That's it. It's their fault. He says. And they're beautiful shops. On another topic. On the topic of these wide lux and X-Pan, he said, you could create a good external viewfinder for the wide lux. I can help you if you have a DIY bone somewhere in your body. Okay. But then he says, Jeff, just buy an X-Pan. The X-Pan panoramic aspect ratio is superb. I have been shooting a Fuji GFX 50R with ultra wide lenses at that aspect ratio and find it very exciting, very rewarding. You will want the widest lens on offer to use with that camera. It opens up a whole new world of landscape photos with moving subjects such as seascapes. The wonderful swing lens options just don't cut the mustard. We're going to talk about this a little later, the the X-Pan fever. Finally, he says, I share Gabe's affliction, bagitis. If you feel compelled to carry and use more than one camera, then the need for a really good bag is unavoidable consequence. Unfortunately, each set of two or more cameras may require a slightly different bag (laughs) for the pair to be optimally deployed. Mathematics insists that this means you must have more bags than cameras. Would you agree? I totally agree. I think it's very important. And as you know, I swore off getting any more bags because there's absolutely no room. And still, I see a bag and I feel like it needs a home. So I have to get it. So this weekend, or yes, this weekend, I might have went to a sale, which we'll talk about in another episode. And uh, there was a little Wait. mini backpack I had to get. I'm not going to force you to talk about this, but you know, one thing we did not cover yes. during our last Marie Nikondo episode, and she's coming back. Oh. Gabe, we could do is she at the, the, whole, door? the whole show could be at the ba- Get away, get away. Oh, God. Go away, go away. Um, yes. Uh, do you ever get rid of a bag? Yes, I gave one away. <gasps> okay. Like, if we went We're through the bags, it. I'm not kidding you, it would take the entire episode. <laughs> we, I could just go like this, and this is this one, and this is this one. Yeah, I mean, you would I just, you will not believe it. When I, when I actually take all the bags out of the closet, and the reason yeah. I keep them, it's just, it's crazy. And especially this All right, time. well, yeah, it's nuts. let's hear from, again, I want to hear from the listeners. Do you want a bag show? Because- I only own one camera bag. One. So sad. And I don't use it. Yeah. So let's hear. If you guys want a bag show, Gabe can QB a bag show. I'm, I will sit back and just chortle. Okay. Next, Phil Kokoschka oh. says, you asked for suggestions on the January 10th show for a show dedicated to a camera brand. I suggested that a show be dedicated to the Roloflex TLR. Not the Rolly SLR. What are you doing to me, Phil? <laughs> or the various editions of the 35mm Rolly. What are you doing to me, Phil? Although they are fantastic machines in their own right, the TLR has a magnificent history. Interest in the various models continues today. Yep, I do have one. A two point, I think he means a two point, he says a 2.3 E2. 2.8 E2. Huh. That's what I have. 2.8 E2. That's what he means. Yeah, that's the one that I shoot yeah. with the most. 2.8 E2. It was a very uh, <gasps> interesting. It's an amazing camera. Love it. And he says, I know of no one. Who does not lust for a Roloflex? Yes. Very interesting. Yes. I wonder if Phil has a T-shirt with Tessa on it. Ah, our Roloflex wielding dream teamer. That's true. He should. Next, I want to do spend a moment with this next one from Ron Hoffer. Okay, Ron Hoffer. 
I'm going to share his email first. Okay, he said, Dear Jeff and Gabe, yesterday I took a lovely, long, wintry walk through the nearby neighborhoods of Washington, D.C., listening to episode 25, smiling and potentially gassing along the way. I'm a relatively new subscriber to the podcast, but as someone deeply into classic analog and the more modern digital world, have quickly been catching up with past episodes. Two thoughts to share with accompanying photos. Can I gift you a copy of my photo book slash memoir from the Bronx to Berlin and beyond, which was published by Kerber Verlag in Germany in 2020? He sent me this book, Gabe. I haven't showed oh, it to I have you to yet. See it. I, can't wait. I don't want you to take it from me. <laughs> but he sent me this book, which is beautiful. Ron, I guess this is available on Ron's website, I'm going to guess. But beautiful images taken with Nikon SLRs and a contacts T-Pocket camera. Love it. It is great. So, Ron, thank you for that. Thank you for writing in. And, gang, check out Ron Hoffer's book, From the Bronx to Berlin and Beyond. Finally, Gabe, didn't know if you heard of another camera bag brand. Get ready, buddy. I know you have. Fog. Oh, yeah. He says, based in France and manufactured by a small family-run outfit. They look like Billingham, but just a bit more special. And then he goes on for a bit, but I'm going to stop because I want you to tell me about Fog Bags. What's the deal, baby? So Fog was the first, um, to use a very sophisticated technical term, fancy pants bag that I ever had. <laughs> so so Fog uh, is from France. It's this couple. And I've spoken to them before and had lovely letters with them. And in the wow. bag show, we'll talk about them because they're I, they're yeah. amazing. They take such care with these bags and they're all obviously handmade. There's just something extra special about these bags. I love them. And I hunted them down forever. And I yeah. got one as a gift and then got and then started looking for them. And... They're just amazing. And the last time I was in, before this last time, a couple times ago at B&H, there was a fog bag sitting right on a shelf and I couldn't believe it, a used one. Wow. And I bought it right up and it was, you know, they're, they're hundreds and hundreds of dollars. They're very, very expensive. Okay. Some north of a thousand um, or maybe <gasps> just below. But I mean, they're, they're, Golly. some are out they are so beautifully done. And I remember there were two. I had a problem with one leather piece. They sent one right out to me. I spoke to them. We, they wanted to see the photography. They're, they're just wonderful people. So I will talk about them in detail when we do the show. But the fog bags are amazing. I love those small family-run companies who are so customer service-oriented. Yeah. It's, some, it's sometimes worth paying a little extra. Yeah, they're great. If you have that kind of attention. Okay, well, anyway, thank you Ron, for the book and for that email. Next up, Bruce Horn says, Jeff and Gabe, in response to your questions about whether people use the self-timer or the depth of field preview driver, I use the self-timer often, oh, come both on. on film and digital cameras. Only a few times so I can be included in group shots, most often for the same reason you use it, Jeff, with a small pocket tripod and the self-timer, I can photograph in almost total darkness. Great fun for Christmas lights and fireworks. The depth of field preview lever I used quite a bit when I was in my first photography class in high school and found it very educational. I would recommend its use for any beginning photographer or anyone who is learning to use an SLR for the first time. Do you think he's patronizing me, Gabe? Mm, who would do that? <laughs> I didn't use it after the first few years, but in the beginning, getting immediate feedback on the difference between f1.8 and 5.6 was very helpful. Maybe I'm a perpetual beginner. Hmm. What do you think about that? Uh, interesting. 
in regard to your question about whether to leave your other eye open, I was taught to do that with rangefinders and viewfinders, but never with SLRs. And I did that up until the time I concluded that I only really enjoy using cameras with through-the-lens viewing. <laughs> Interesting. This is the second person to chime in on this. I enjoyed listening to your Olympus episode, and I have one comment about it. Although I really like the OM-1, 2, etc., having used an OM-10 as my only camera at one point, I would not recommend it. Oh. In my opinion, it is too much an automatic camera that doesn't really have a full manual mode, especially now when you can get an OM-1 for not much more money. I think that is the better choice. Bruce, thanks for that tip. That's great. Mark Holstein. With some thoughts on the X-Pan, I'm going to shorthand this because we're going to talk a lot about this later. First of all, Mark, thank you for your beautiful X-Pan photographs that you included in this. Color, gorgeous shots of cars, day and night, really cool stuff. He said, I really enjoyed the current episode. I wanted to reach out to Jeff regarding his desire to purchase an X-Pan. <laughs> I was lucky enough to buy one in 2019 just before the hype started. They were priced about half of what they are today, which is still a lot of money. It was a decision I have never regretted, and I've shot some of my favorite work with it. If you like shooting with rangefinders and enjoy the panoramic format, I can really recommend you get one. The results are amazing, and in my opinion, there's nothing like it on the market. Thanks, Mark. Okay, we're going to cover this again later, but boy, those pictures are beautiful. Hey, David Wells. Listen, I missed out on David Wells' email the last time around, so he has two in this rotation, one month apart. He's not like he's relentless, okay? <laughs> he said, I have also noticed there are fewer cameras in thrift stores these days. I've had good luck by asking unlikely sellers if they have cameras. I might come across a marketplace ad selling old stereo equipment and think to myself, if they're getting rid of Grandpa's stereo, they might be getting rid of Grandpa's cameras too. Good strategy. <laughs> I love that. Social engineering yeah. by David. These would be people who had no idea folks wanted those old cameras. I once replied to an ad posted for an antique stove, Hoosier cabinet, and deer antlers. I bought none of those things, but I did leave with a Leica and a Yashica mat. No. Unbelievable. No, man. God, that's great. Okay. Gilbert Townsend, on the subject of panoramic cameras, said... Thought I'd pop in and give you my thoughts about things you brought up in the last episode. I, too, had X-Pan fever a few years ago. However, I went down a different route. I bought a Mamiya 6MF, which, as the MF alludes to, stands for multi-format. It and its more well-known brother, the Mamiya 7, have factory-made panoramic adapters that let you use and rewind 35-millimeter film in the camera. They are frame lines for the panoramic wow. image. You have a much larger lens selection. This is fascinating wow look i know everyone raves about the mamiya 7 have you ever seen the mamiya 6 mf dude tell me about these cameras no i, I I've, I've seen the the six but i used to have a seven and i sold it but i really regret that that's one of the cameras that i really regret mm -hmm. selling by the way if any of you are hunting for mamiya 7 the uh sunny 16 gang specifically simon forster are helping uh, Anne Marie, John Whitmore's uh, widow, sell off his gear, and he has a beautiful yep. Mamiya 7. So if you've always yearned for one, you can have one with Sunny 16 provenance, which I'm sure is exquisite. Yes. Okay, next. So thank you, Gilbert, for that email. Hey, guess what? Rolf Tessum, regular correspondent, said, Quiz. He sent us a photo of a Pentax K1000 sitting next to a black paint Leica M6. He said... Today, I have a little quiz for the iDoc Brain Trust. <laughs> In examining the photo below, the similarities between the two cameras pictured are 
A, roughly similar acquisition price. B, both are working man's cameras. C, neither has a self-timer. D, both have 50 millimeter lenses mounted. E, C and D above. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Thank you, Rolf. Yes, all they have in common is 50s and no self-timer. Exactly. (laughs) I hear you. Look how people talk down to me. I just love it. It's in the nicest way. (laughs) I love it. I just love it. Rolf, you're the best. Love you. Richard Kunz writes in, he sent us two pictures from a shop called ProCam in Cincinnati. And he said, uh, where have all the cameras gone? They are apparently living in on the air in Cincinnati at ProCam. My God, did you see these pictures? I saw them. I was like, Lots we got to go there. Of, Field trip. We got to go there. Field trip, exactly. Craig Harper says... Yes to Facebook Marketplace. He said, I have had some very nice finds on Facebook Marketplace. Found somebody giving away darkroom equipment. All I had to do was go pick it up. Also found a Bronica ETRS with the 75. Very fun to shoot. My latest purchase on Marketplace was a Leica R4. This is going to blow your mind. With Motodrive and four Leica R lenses. Guess how much? I, I, I'm, I can't even imagine. 150 Okay, that's crazy beans. And now we can get all those lenses. It's it's fantastic. Unbelievable. Craig, well done. Well done, you. That is the biggest bargain I've heard of in some time. Rolf Tefson also said, a couple of book notes. First, I got Kai Wong's book. He really liked it, but he did say the Sunny 16 chart is completely wrong. Ooh. Oh, boy. Check that out. Kai, reaction. He said... It is completely wrong except for the first clear and sunny distinct entry. He is increasing shutter speed and opening aperture as it gets darker so the exposure never changes. Do you want to tell him? <laughs> oh, dear. Second, his nomination for Best Photo Book of 2021 is Todd Webb in Africa Outside the Frame. This has a bit of the Vivian Meyer Larst archive going for it, except that Todd Webb was a professional photographer who lost control of a big chunk of his archives through circumstances that are explained in the book. Anyway, he says it's a beautiful book. Scans are gorgeous. Authors have done a great job of pulling together relevant essays. Highly recommend it. He also says, I write this sitting by my lit fireplace awaiting my I Dream of Cameras sweatshirt. Might as well bring this up. Oh, Rolf yeah. It's the insisted time. insisted that we add sweatshirts, and we did. Here's one of them. Look at that right there. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Beautiful. The entire Dream Team configuration is available with sweatshirts. My brother went right to the website and updated. For you, Rolf. For you. <laughs> On we go. This is the last one. It's the last one. Boy, what a bumper crop. Okay. Matt, who on Instagram is Neon Thunderbird, says, this is a long one, but we're going to go through this because he said a lot of cool stuff. He said, first of all, he said he loves us. He loves us. I, I always skip over that part. Olympus OM1. It is great to hear you praise this camera. This was my first camera gifted to me by my grandfather 20 years ago. I still use it regularly. He's also picked up an Olympus Pen FT. And an XA, wow. he had his Pen FT and OM1 converted to take 1.5 volt 625A batteries, wow. but used his Paul BG rings with hearing aid batteries for a long time. <laughs> a devotee it. of the thingy. The Good thingy. for you, man. Point and shoots. My girlfriend and her two dogs recently moved in, so I went down the rabbit hole to find the perfect pocketable camera that I could use one-handed on walks. After tons of research, he landed on the... Rico GR1S. Wow. How about that. 
Have you used that little Rico GR? I feel like you told me you had. No, the remember I told you the dream of mine is to have that Rico oh. GR twenty one, the tw- with the twenty one millimeter lens for film. Yeah, that's my dream. Well, this is an it. I have seen these and they are cute and really thin. And he said it's got real dials and switches for most of the features, flash modes which are unheard of on a point and shoot. He said the one drawback. Parts of the LCD screen, primarily used for the frame counter, can go out over time. Oh, boy. So Jeff might want to avoid this one. Uh. <laughs> I can't. I just, okay. Soft releases. I have a couple cheapies, but don't use them. Hmm. In my opinion, they are unnecessary, but generally not obnoxious until you want to use a shutter release, at which point they become a tiny piece of metal that can easily get lost. Self-timer. A convenient feature. I don't use it all the time. But it's nice when you want to take a picture with friends or family. has saved me on multiple occasions. It's the only way to activate mirror lockup on several Nikons, including the FM3A. Very interesting. Depth of field preview. Also a convenient feature, often used, especially when taking close-up portraits. Get on board, Gabe. Can't do it. Straps. I love straps when using a camera, but hate them when storing a camera. I totally agree with that. <laughs> Would love to find a couple of nice leather neck and wrist straps that easily connect and detach. That is exactly part of the problem. I have to, when I have a strap on, which is not often, I always rubber band it like this so I can put it on the shelf behind the camera. Little tip from Eloise. Finally. X-Pan versus Wide Lux. He has struggled with wanting an X-Pan. The Wide Lux is more desirable since it creates totally unique images with so much character. He brought up mirror lockup as a topic. We just brought it up. He also asked us this, and I'll throw this to you, Gabe. What do you consider when buying a new camera? Is there an ideal you are trying to fit, or do you just want something that is fun and unique? Do you have any cameras that fill a certain purpose, like his dog walking point and shoot? What do you think? Hmm, Interesting, but... You know, I think if we just looked for uh, fun and unique, um, <laughs> we would have a smaller collection a collection yeah. of, of cameras. But I do love fun and unique. I think that's the first thing I'm looking for when uh, shopping for something new. So, or something I've seen amazing, you know, shots from like that. That happens yeah. a lot too. But one thing you did bring up about those um, soft releases, which I wanted to ask you, is I, you know. There's a thing, another thingy, that people have figured out for the M6 or any M camera with a soft release. Because when you put that in your camera bag, I know you wouldn't understand this, but if you put that in your camera bag, it releases the shutter. Oh, right. Every time. So you have to take it off. So you're always losing frames. But there was this, someone gave me a tip and said, if you take a thin piece of rubber, cut it out, put it in there as a collar, it stops yeah. it, but I've That's lost smart. I've lost that invention. So um, I like cameras that have a lock yeah. on the shutter. Yeah. It's a fun thing. Like a camera I'll talk about in a minute has a very easy to use shutter lock. The Alpa has one. I kind of like that because I, I'm always finding that I've wasted a frame or I'll pull the camera to my eye and I'll realize, oh, shoot, I got to advance it because somehow it got clicked. Yeah. Finally, you know, Matt included a picture of his collection, which has so many cameras we love in it. He's got an FM3A in there. He's got a Pentax Auto 110. He's got a Minolta CLE. Oh, Wide Lux. That's quite a sexy collection. We appreciate the email. And that closes the mailbag. What a bumper crop. As that I was said. amazing. Thank you, everyone. I've used bumper crop twice three in this times, episode. Anyway. Three times now. <laughs> to get into the meat 
as it were, of today's episode. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm going to throw it to Gabe to talk about a visit from a devoted listener, John the, Michael Mendeza. Take it, man. This was so exciting. This was really exciting. So John Michael Mendeza contacted us, and he's in was in town in L.A. and you visiting know he, from Germany. He's visiting from Germany. He's from the U.S. originally, but he uh, he lives in Germany, and it was the coolest thing. You know, he he was here. We met up at the Ugly Mug Coffee Shop in Burbank, and just talked about life and you know you know cameras of course and that was crazy fun and you know just getting to know a listener was like the coolest thing ever and it just you know it just makes me believe that we're going to be friends with all of our listeners if we visit him if we ever get to have a idoc convention yes i can't wait to hang coming. out i can't wait to hang yeah. out with everyone so cool and then we and then we wandered over to cam photo in Burbank, which this is a camera store I have never been to. Oh, I don't think I realized Oh, that. yeah. I walked in there. I was so excited. I mean, it's just one of those camera shops that you don't see anymore with the, you know, you could pick through stuff and there's bags. There's um, <laughs> there's all <laughs> kinds of stuff and great used cameras and they were so nice. And I, I love that store. We hung out there for a while and John purchased and I bought something. something. I and bought so something. did Jeff. Listen. I tried to talk John Michael into buying an OM1, and he came very close. That was pretty close, But yeah. instead, wait a minute, what did he buy? He bought something. He bought, oh, he bought a developing tank. Right, right. <laughs> he bought a developing tank because they have used darkroom equipment at this great yeah. shop, too. So he got a stainless steel developing tank, I believe, which is going to be hard to get on the plane. I was realizing. <laughs> oh, sure, what's that? Looks, uh, yeah, it looks <laughs> a lot like a bomb in your luggage. I got a camera that, this is going to be cra- this is so crazy. I noticed I posted a picture of this on the I Dream of Cameras Instagram. I Dream of Cameras on Instagram. Got a ton of likes. This is a very popular camera. This would be your Canon AE1, the Alpha Echo. And it looks amazing. I mean, they had a gorgeous one there, very reasonably priced. Very reasonable. They had it paired with a lens, but I asked not to buy the lens, so they cut me an even better deal. It is immaculate. This is a camera that I have always wanted. When I was 15 and I was transitioning from my Olympus 35RC to the SLR world, the AE-1 had just come out so advanced, it's simple. And it had Andre Agassi doing the ads for it. Oh, yeah. And it had this amazing, like, soft-touch shutter button, and it was light and electronic, and I wanted this thing so badly, but I couldn't afford it. So you had my to do parents... It. Got me a Canon EF for my birthday, which I convinced myself was a superior camera. And I will tell you, there are some things about the EF that are better. It has shutter speed and aperture in the viewfinder. It has a selenium meter, and it meters down to 30 seconds on the dial. I've talked about this before. It's amazing. But I was out and about shooting with the AE-1. Damn, it's fun. It's so fun. I like it better than the K1000, I will tell you. I like how it feels in the hand. I love these FD lenses, which are skyrocketing in price. It's a shutter priority automatic. Speaking of shutter lock, kabam. It has the cutest little shutter lock. It's also got this very ergonomic shutter speed dial. And I learned, in the course of talking about this camera, Gabe Sachs never shot one. Never. Never. How did that elude you? I don't, I have no idea. Everyone had one, and I, uh... I love them, but I'm pretty sure that I got as a gift the Pentax ME 
and that's what I was shooting with when people were shooting with that one. I mean, the Emmy is smaller, lighter. It's aperture priority, and if your taste goes that way, you're going to want to go to the Emmy. But, gosh, the AE1 is fun. I really am enjoying it. And, of course, I still have – I've offloaded so many of my FD lenses, but I still have that 85 1.2, Perfect. which is one of the best lenses I own. I love it. So it's been fun to shoot with. But that wasn't the only camera store <laughs> that we went to. So Talk about uh, our other field trip there, so, man. We had a field trip to um, Whittier, California. And the way this came up is uh, my neighbor is the Academy Award-winning Rick Carter, who's Steven Spielberg's production designer. He won the Oscar for Avatar, yeah. and which he did for Cameron. And, he, and he's, he did one for Lincoln. And he's just the sweetest human being in the entire world. I mean, just so giving and amazing and just uh, we talk all the time and he just happens to live down the block from you right? he lives next door to me oh and so God. we so we're talking and he comes back from shooting a movie that's all i can say <laughs> he's shooting right. a movie yes and so he says you've got to check out this camera store and it's called monty's in uh whittier and i said oh my gosh we're going to do a field trip so so we we get down there and we see it it's open we park the car we get a great parking space we walk in there and it's like first of all the most beautiful vintage looking amazing camera store we open the front door and it's we have finally hit the mother load we are going to talk about this on the show and say we have actually hit the mother load there is a huge row of min condition roloflex cameras there are shelves of leicas there are shelves of folders, and I'm going, this is the greatest thing. And, and Jeff, they're all immaculate. They're all immaculate. It's incredible. And let me let me describe Jeff at this moment. <laughs> Jeff is now pacing back. It's a giant store. He's pacing back and forth from wall to wall and wall to wall, and this is what he's saying. Oh, I don't know where to start. I don't know where should I start. I don't know what, what should I do first. I don't know what to do. What should I do? So finally, we're just going crazy. We're looking all over. We're not talking to anyone. So there's just these two gentlemen watching us going berserk and not really saying can i help you or there's really nothing going on and so the moment of truth comes up and jeff goes up to the counter and goes could i see that camera and the response was oh no we don't show any cameras so now jeff and i think we're in the twilight zone we're either in the twilight zone or it's the worst torturous dream we have ever had in our lives and the truth is None of the cameras are for sale. They only do film developing there. And this was their the collection. Take I it, Jeff. Can. Okay. I will also say the two gentlemen who work there, Chris and Kim, unbelievably nice. It, as soon as they learned that we were like bona fide film shooters who love old cameras... They, it was like some trap door opened yeah, and we it. were, you know, and it was like, it was suddenly like I had pointed to, there was a Canon rangefinder on the shelf with the 0.95 dream lens. And anytime I see one of those, I want to look at it because one day I'm going to get that lens. At first, one of the gentlemen had balked at showing it to me, which I kind of get. It's a rare thing and it's a lot of glass and a big old thumbprint on that would be disastrous. But then he took it down and showed it to me. And then across the shop, the other guy said to Gabe, he never does this. Ever. <laughs> he never shows anyone. And now I'm going, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing. So as that's happening, I'm talking to Kim 
and they have a shop cat. There's a cat yes. there, and the cat just jumped on my shoulders and hung out there, which I will post later. He, I think yes. I might have done it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you posted in a story, and then it later yeah. jumped on me, and I'm yes. six seven, so that was quite an achievement. <laughs> These two guys could not have been more delightful. They showed us, oh my God, the array of like, like you said, Leicas, Rollies, Retina folders, lots of things I don't know about, yeah. like Super Ekanta, like lots and lots of beautiful folders I had never seen before. One in particular I want to talk about. Don't snake me on eBay, guys. The Voigtlander Perkio. <laughs> P-E-R-K-E-O. So Chris shows me this camera, which is a 120 folder. It's the smallest 120 folder I've ever seen. It's not much larger than the roll of 120 itself. It was amazing. Incredible. Would literally fit in your coat pocket. It's got the color scope bar, 80 millimeter lens. They also made it with a 75, but the 80 is better. I got to get one of these. I am looking at this on eBay. They're not very expensive. Obviously no meter. We're talking about, but it's got the synchro compo shutter. And what fun, you know, because I don't shoot 120 enough because to shoot 120, I got to break out my 6.7 or I got to break out my Roly TLR. Right, right. This will be the thing I break out all the time. Yep. Just stick it in the pocket, sunny 16 it, and go around and shoot. I, I am going to get one of these. Guys, stay off eBay. But the <laughs> Perkio, I know that the Camerosity guys, I believe, spoke of this recently also. So I know they're aware of it. But boy, is that a cool camera. Cool. So great. What a great place. It was very, very fun. Great place. Drop in. Get your film developed there if you're anywhere in the neighborhood. But these two guys were friendly and delightful and as a camera museum even yeah it was beyond compare so we're so checking great. out and they do film developing if you're in the Whittier yeah. area i did have a little uh heartbreak this week <laughs> mr Sachs. really you i do i do not believe you <sighs> all right this story has a happy ending okay so i think i spoke in the last episode of this show that my electrospotmatic after three months of faithful use had catastrophically failed. Just the meter, by the way. Mechanically, it's fine, but the electronics failed. We took it to our friendly camera repair guy. It was in the shop, and I believe I said that if it was not repairable, that I didn't want it back. <laughs> <laughs> it was not repairable. But the camera repair guy urged me to keep it and just shoot it the way I would Sunny 16 any other camera. It's hard because it's a black body camera and it says electrospotmatic, but it's an electrospotmatic with no electro. Right. So it's sitting on the shelf right now mocking me. And driving you crazy. Driving me crazy. But then somehow this unlocked some sort of weird inspiration in me. Okay. I do not believe that I have talked about this camera at length on the podcast. We have rhapsodized about the Pentax ME and the ME Super, and the ME Super Ed SE. They are great cameras. Gabe has shot with them. I have shot with them. I mentioned in passing a rare and exotic variant of the Pentax ME called the Pentax MF. Nobody knows about this thing. This is a medical camera. It's an endoscopic camera. And we may have mentioned these in passing and talking about, for example, there is a variant of the Olympus Pen F that's an endoscopic camera. Here it is. Okay, now to look at it, you'd say, what? What's so different? What's so different? Oh, wait, it's got a weird little bumpy bump on the pentaprism instead of a hot shoe. Oh, wait, it's only got one strap lug. Uh -huh. huh. 
that's interesting. But then you open the back and the magic begins. What? Half frame craziness. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Dave is mocking me. It is a half frame purpose built Pentax ME variant. However, you can't shoot with it off the shelf because it has an aerial viewfinder. In other words, it has a magnifier in there that couples to the special lens that you use for endoscopies, so you can't focus it with any other lens. However, painstaking research by (laughs) me uncovered a Japanese language webpage where a guy talked about how he had torn his apart, replaced the aerial magnifier with a piece of ground glass salvaged from an ME parts camera, and suddenly he had a workable half-frame SLR. Kabango! We're standing with our camera repair guy, and I mentioned this scenario, and I said, can you do this? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I go on eBay at that moment, and I find (laughs) a parts ME for, get ready, gang, $3.79. Fantastic. I order it on the spot. I have it shipped direct to camera repair guy's house. A week later, he calls me. This was yesterday. He calls me and says, it's ready. I picked it up this morning. I brought along film and a lens. Guys, it's magic. I have so a half-frame Pentax ME. Amazing. Now, there are a couple of asterisks. <laughs> I can't make head or tail of the metering system in this thing. There is a fixed shutter speed of a quarter of a second. Forget that, guys. I'm not hand-holding at a quarter of a second. It seems to be kind of aperture priority. Mm -hmm. You set the aperture, and it sets the shutter speed. But there's no display to tell you what that shutter (laughs) speed would be. But boy, I was snappity-snapping my way all over the South Bay today. What a delight. Nobody has this. It's a (laughs) one-of-a-kind. Love it. How about that? That's thrilling. Thrilling. So cool. So one Pentax leaves, another one enters. (laughs) Is there a lesson in that, Gabe? Yes. The lesson is that if you don't get a camera that is somehow going to have a happy ending, you're very tough (laughs) to be around, just so you understand that. (laughs) I did. Yes. Look, I'm tough to be around under normal circumstances. (laughs) Oh, Oh, my God. All right. Let's talk about, we alluded to this at the top of the show, X-Pan Fever. Here we go. It went away. Yep. Why do you think it went away, Gabe? I think that you are very excited about it because it's, first of all, a very cool-looking camera. Hmm. And uh, the design is beautiful. For sure. You talked yourself into the fact <laughs> that it would be totally different than your white lux and yeah. that you would be able to see the blah, 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 blah. <laughs> the and, mocking tone. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> and, then, and then I talked to a couple of people. Yes. And I talked to someone that did not have the best luck with theirs. No, his failed, right? His the failed twice. Failed. They failed yeah. twice. And um, it's a lot of money for something that is eventually going to go boom. I think, you know, you're spotlighting. I think one of the reasons the fever broke is you had mentioned your friend had one of these. And you said, I don't think you should drop 
three to four thousand dollars on a camera that you've never used. Right. That was my wise friend Gabe Sachs talking. And so you checked with your friend, and when he said that he had really not gotten any meaningful use out of this camera because the electronics kept failing, it gave me pause. And then, of course, the persistent problem with, I want one that says Hasselblad on it, but <laughs> I don't want the chipped paint. And I was looking at a lot of chippy, painty ones, and then I would look at the ones without chip paint, and they were 6,000, 8,000. I'm not going to do that. It's crazy. But what ultimately brought me back to Earth, honestly, in spite of all of the wonderful messages that I got from our listeners about how great this camera is, and I sincerely believe it is great, I realized, I went back and I looked at the pictures that I took with the wide lux. It's the distortion that I like. It's the barrel distortion that comes from that swing lens that is so appealing to me and surprising to me. Right. And just having a wide image, that's nice. But I just don't know if I, I started to visualize what it would be like to walk around with that camera and see the widescreen viewfinder and stuff. It'd be okay. Right. But I would not. I would come away with an image. This is ironic, and a lot of how we got here. I would come with an image that's exactly what I see through the viewfinder. Where's the fun in that? The fever passed. It is over, friends. I don't need it anymore. Nope. I don't need it. If I saw one for four hundred dollars, sure. <laughs> but no, right? Not going to do it. Not going to do it. It passed. It's over. Isn't that interesting? I love that. Okay. Final topic. Look at this. We've rounded out the hour in this beautiful way. Very exciting here. Speaking of things that I love, I think I may have mentioned on this podcast that my favorite black and white film is Panatomic X. So I always am looking for sources for Panatomic X. Now, I am shooting Ilford Pan F right now, which is a 50-speed film, which is not unlike Panatomic X, and I like it very much. But there will always be a spot in my heart for your Panatomic X. So there was a seller selling 20 rolls of Panatomic X. I'm like, I'm getting in on this. I put in a bid with my sniping software at $100. Five days before the end of the auction, I get a notice saying you've been outbid. I'm like, oh. all right, well, 120 Right. This went for $405. No, no way, no way. Over $20 a roll. And this got me thinking, and I want to get your take on this. Last week, we were talking about the supply of film cameras being choked off. I'm seeing that interesting expired films. I mean, Aerochrome, gone. Okay, there ain't no more Aerochrome. Yeah. Dean Benici, that's it. We're done with Aerochrome. Panatomic X gets swallowed up the moment it appears. Yep. We are now, I would say, I, I sort of date the current film camera renaissance to right around 2000 AD. We are now... 22 years into the film camera re renaissance, and it feels like the supply of everything is tightening. There are no filmer cameras in thrift stores, and I see the prices of film creeping up. I see the prices of film creeping up for new film. This is something that we've talked about right. exhaustively in the podcasting world. What do you think, man? Do you think that the hobby is changing? Is it entering sort of a middle age right now? What do you think? Well, look, this, this expired film and... You know, people have their favorites, and you do talk about your favorite film a lot, so people are going to go after it. So you're <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, you're causing a little Victim problem. of his own success. Right, exactly. So, you know, it's amazing to me is how much people get yes for Panatomic. 
but also for film that you don't know if it's going to work at all. So, so yes, um, expired film, which we'll talk about that. I just bought a bunch, you know, there's, there's old Polaroid film. Okay. That is so old and people will pay a fortune for it. It's insane. Whether like it could be, you could open it up and be sand. I'm serious. Like there's old, old film that people are selling for hundreds of dollars for this old packs of like 600 or whatever. I can't remember what the numbers are. 669. 669. It goes for like 150 a pack. Yeah. And that isn't even the Fuji stuff that's been sitting in my fridge for five years. That's like film from the no. 60s and 70s. 60s and 70s. That film. And no one knows if it works. And I mean, listen, I bought a pack of Polaroid chocolate from a seller on eBay. And he was kind enough to give me a partial refund. But... Mm-hmm. I had exactly that experience. Put it in my pack film camera, pulled the first tab, the whole thing had dried out. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm sure th- all of those it's prices, out. yeah, those prices are just totally bananas, like Bonkers. 150 bucks a pack. It also is, we've talked about this in our Polaroid show, it's tragic because yep. the artists who depend on this medium are out of luck. But yep. now we're talking about things, and Erichrome, same thing. The yep. artists who made beautiful work in that medium, it's over. Now when I see Plus X and Panatomic X and some of these vintage Kodak stocks or some of these copying stocks like Precision Line Film going for hundreds and hundreds of dollars, I just don't want this hobby to be a victim of its own success. It'd be the worst. It'd be the worst. if it, Especially outpricing, you know, in a world where it's like we want younger people to get into it. We want people to be able to go pick up a camera, get some film for five to seven bucks and go out there. It's like, I'm seeing people, you know, they have their camera, they spend $14 on a roll of film and they take their, they don't shoot that much. Everything's too precious. So it's like, it's expensive. It's $14 and then you have to spend, you know, 12 or $14 to get it processed. And it's just, it's too much. That's a lot of money. I really hope, I mean, I think what we're going to see, we talked a little bit last time about people looking at these early digital cameras because they're so damn cheap, right? right? I mean, in the same, re- you know, this this happens in thrift store culture, fashion, you know, yeah. fashions change because all of a sudden kids are wearing bell bottoms again because you can get bell bottoms for nothing. And all of a sudden there are $300 bell bottoms out there. This is clearly right, exactly trends that follow that same trend line. Definitely. Um, I am sure that the Plastic Fantastic, you know, we've talked about the Nikon, N8008 or like the EOS Rebel, the EOS Rebel film cameras. People are starting to build, buy those up even though they're unattractive because they're excellent cameras and you can get them for under $100. Right. Once those are swallowed up, the snake yeah. starts to eat its tail. Yeah. And there are no other film cameras, you know, because very few film cameras are being manufactured. It's worrisome. Yeah. It's worrisome. And dopes like us are collecting these things and I just don't want to see the supply choked off for hobbyists who could be getting into this and using it. Totally true. You know, we carp about Polaroid a lot, but they are making new cameras that use their film. Kodak's not, I mean, Kodak's making, I guess, you know, these, these single use cameras and Ilford is doing the same thing, but sophisticated consumer cameras that use 35 millimeter film. Yeah. Uh, Nikon and Leica. Is that it? Yeah. I don't even know is Nikon. Nikon doesn't make the uh, F6 anymore, right? It's over. So, guys, what do you think? 
Is there a sea change in process? It really feels like this is something that has really started to take hold during the year we've been doing this podcast. It feels like something has shifted. I don't know if it's pandemic related. I don't know. Maybe it bounces back when we start having camera shows again and we discovered that it was just a kink in the pipeline. But it's worrisome. And if it's worrisome to guys like Gabe and me, it is definitely worrisome to Tessa, the 22-year-old graduate student at UT yeah, Austin, depicted true. on one of our swag shirts. Very true. Any other thoughts, Gabe, about the weeks just passed? I think we're going to have a lot to talk about next episode. Yeah, I see a cue. Yeah, we love hearing from you guys. Just yep. because it was a bumper crop mailbag, and I used that word several times, Boy, is it exciting to get the kind of feedback that we are getting. We love it. From our regular correspondents and from new correspondents. We love hearing from you. You may find us on the internet at idreamofcameras at gmail.com. Of course, follow us on the Instagram. I am S. Jeff Greenstein. Gabe is Gabe Sachs. The show is I Dream of Cameras, which <laughs> I Dream of Cameras Instagram almost has more followers than me. I don't quite understand the math of that. I'm obviously more inter interesting as part of a couple than I am as an individual, and I accept that. I accept it. I love it. Also, as we said, check out idreamofcameras.com for all of the Dream Team swag. It's amazing. There's more of it all the time. What else? Golly. I got to tell you, with the thank yous, let's thank uh, John Michael Mendiza for just, yes. it was so much fun, and we had a great afternoon and uh, we appreciated getting to know you, and it was very, very cool. So hopefully more listeners will be out in our area, and we can maybe have a gathering, which would be very funny. I would love that. It was really great. You know, I was so glad he reached out. We had such a good time. The funny thing is, for like the first hour we were hanging out together, we didn't talk about cameras at all. You know, right. it, was, it was just really interesting to just meet someone, you know. He talked about living abroad, talked about how he met his wife, his jewelry business. was fascinating. Great guy. John Michael, we love you. So yeah, thanks for reaching out. It was and really then uh, the gang at Monty's Cameras for giving in and and, yes. uh, and for showing us love and showing us your amazing cameras. That was really really fun. Yes, and as always, Keith Greenstein for our visual design. Fred Corey, musical genius, very exciting, and you may hear maybe some new little pieces in this episode right here, but we'll see. Oh. All right, Gabe, final thoughts. Take us out of here. My final thought is that if you take the depth of field preview and the self-timer and you put them together, you get two useless things. That's all I can say. I've just had enough of them. I don't want to ever see them again. <laughs>